Welcome to episode 84 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, we're oh, here again. Hi. How are you? Tell me about that lovely oh my tan golden, oh yeah beautiful tan <laughs> thank you your, for sh- your shoulders are golden yes it's very now, lovely uh it's a little red like if you were to see, look at this oh it is so you see my it's yes. a tan line but it's like a red line yes I, I gotta tell you my favorite thing in the whole world to do right now is on Saturday well I didn't do it this I usually do it Saturday and Sunday morning but I didn't do it today I slept in today forgive me but <laughs> I will get up early and go running, right? Yes. And then I come home. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. I put my bathing suit on and I get in the pool. Oh. And I'm telling you, I go out there. I put my little Bluetooth speaker out there. I listen to sad girl music, which is my favorite. Oh, little I bit love of, this. Little bit of Phoebe Bridgers, a little bit of Julianne Baker, a little bit of Lucy Dacus. And I just float. Sometimes I cry a little bit in the pool. But, you know, oh, the salty tears God. go into the pool and it's fine. Everything's I fine. I love this. The world's going to be fine because I'm it's floating be okay. away. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Now all I'm doing is getting suntan. And then, so yesterday I was in the pool. Then my son came out. He was weird. I was playing with him. Then uh, we played like in the pool. We got out. We were talking by, uh, by the side of the pool. We came in. We had a little pizza. We made brownies. I mean, oh it was a hell God. of a day. That sounds like an amazing yeah. day. We started watching the beginning of uh, Big Trouble Little China, which is <gasps> the fucking best. That's one of my, one of my husband's favorite I all-time movies. I love that movie. He loves that movie so, Kurt so, Russell so, so, so much. is the fucking best in that movie. He's so funny. I'm laughing. I'm like, you guys are going to love this. It's so funny. And they're like, we're bored. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> wait, what? So then they didn't want to watch it. So I said, oh. fuck it. I was still in my bathing suit. I'm like, I'm going back in the pool. I went oh. back in the pool. This sounds amazing. And the kid and I my wish son I came had out. A pool. Oh, forget about it. It's, it's I would love to have a pool. The best. Oh. It's the best. So that's what I've I've been getting tan. I love it. Floating away in my pool. It looks beautiful. Thank you. I close my eyes and I think about everything else but like real life. <laughs> I know, but you know. I went for a bike ride yesterday. <gasps> oh, I love bike riding. Yes. Where do you go? I just went around my neighborhood. Oh my gosh. And by myself. Yeah. Um, I love my children. Uh, well, we have it now. I was like, there's a but. Yes. I need to just like yeah. get out. And I did, you know, and I normally, I run like usually like Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't want to go for a run. I yeah. said, I'm going to just hop on my bike. And I had a lovely little bike ride. I got to tell you, I think I'm going to do that today. And it was so nice. Yeah. Very relaxing. I think relaxing. I'm going to get on my bike. My neighborhood's cute. So it was just. Yeah. So nice. I go. It's like a mile and a half to the beach. So I go down to the beach, go up and yes. down there, come Some, back. Sometimes I mean, it's a nice I've ride. gone down to the beach because, yeah, it's clo- It's similar to me. Yeah. Because you have um, the one road that takes yeah. you straight to the beach and go then to- I have the other mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yes. I got to get my kids on board on riding a bike so that we can all ride a bike well, together. So both my kids can ride, but their their attention span. Yeah. Forget about it. And we still have to ride. We still have to ride by Roger Stone's house. We should try <gasps> to do that before summer ends. Yes, <laughs> Tina. Seriously, we'll just oh like. Oh my god, it'll be so funny. <laughs> I am telling you, I don't know why we haven't done that. I know we need to. We, we need been to talk about that for a year. I and know half. we need to just do it. It would be hilarious. It okay. Be best. Oh yes, here we, have we are. A, we have a podcast. I'm so excited about this story, and it's perfect that you're tan because Ooh. this story takes place in a place that you love and love to hate. <gasps> Today, I'm going to tell you the story of former Miami mayor mm. Gilda Oliveros. Ooh. So we are in sunny Florida. Yes, honey. Guess what? <gasps> My story's in Florida too. Yes! Yes! I'm so excited. Yes. Okay, okay. So in home New- sweet home. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Dang it. I didn't want to say Miami mayor. She's it's uh, Hialeah Gardens, but oh, I, it's God. like Miami area. Please forgive me. No, listen, I was going to say it's the same thing, but I know it's that we'll not, get stoned. It's not, yeah, it's, it's not, not. It's not. All right. All right. So in 1989, Gilda Oliveros became the first Cuban-born woman to win the mayor's seat in Hialeah Gardens. Get it, honey. But uh-oh, when she's brought up on election fraud charges, investigators discover a more nefarious plot. Oh! <gasps> Oh, shit. She's so excited. All right. So our story, like I said, takes place in the city of Hialeah Gardens, Mm. which for the non-Floridians 
is essentially in the Miami metropolitan area. And the name Ahilea actually derives is from a seminal oh. um, name. Yeah. So another reminder of the land taken from yeah. our Native Americans. Hylia Gardens is sort of between Miami and Hylia. It's like nestled right yeah. in between there. All right. So as I noted, uh, Gilda became the first Cuban woman to serve as mayor. But she did serve on the city council prior to that, beginning in 1987, according to Diane Telgen's book, Notable Hispanic American Women. Mm. Telgen also writes that Oliveros was appointed finance director for the city as well. And prior to her work in politics, Telgen explains that Oliveros earned a medical assistant certificate in 1973, but she decided to run for office in the 80s when she wasn't happy with the current politics of mm. her city and yeah. just felt like, hey, things are not like working the yes. way I want them Get to, it. so I'm going to go. Go, um, girl. So upon winning her mayoral seat, Telgen notes that Oliveros had this to say in an interview. Quote, I was new blood and had proven myself honest and a go-getter in the city council. I brought something different to the arena. In politics, you're not supposed to tell people what you think. I tell people the truth whether they like it or not. So as soon as somebody says that, it's a red flag for me. Oh, if the, you're demanding that you're telling the truth, yeah, something's not, then you're shady. Off. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> so we're going to see also that she takes this idea of telling people what she thinks mm. to oh, some no. pretty despicable levels, oh, but God. we'll get to that towards the end. Okay. Telgen also noted that Oliveros was honored with the following accolades, dynamic woman of the year, Principal Award of Excellence, Distinguished Leadership Award, and the Woman of the Year Award. Wow. Yeah, so she had a lot of recognition for her work. Mm -hmm. So these are all wonderful, but I also came across some articles that did not paint her in such a positive light. So the first crime that investigators worked on was voter fraud. Allegedly, Oliveros forced city employees to change their addresses on their voter registration so that they could vote in the Hialeah Gardens election despite not living there. Mm -mm. So not good, not good. So that's pretty much all I could find about the voter fraud charges because the other incident ends up overshadowing okay. everything in the newspaper accounts. So along with the fraud charges, mm. investigators uncovered a murder for hire plot. What? Yeah, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I was like, what? So according to a New Times article, Oliveros' assistant and a guy from the Parks and Rec Department oh, Lord. told police that Oliveros ordered them to murder her husband. <gasps> so husband? She, her husband, yes. Yeah. So she, she goes to city employees and is like, hey, I need you to murder my husband. I mean... Uh... Why wouldn't you go to somebody you don't know? Yes. It's a little cuckoo. You're, we know your face. Your picture's up it's in the fucking cuckoo. city hall. We know who you are. Yes. So they also claimed, according to the article, that when they refused, she intimidated them with harassment. <laughs> oh and God. she would use gay slurs because they were both gay men. <gasps> one was bisexual, one was gay. And she would use gay slurs against them when speaking what an to asshole. them. And just really tried to... Um, kind of coerce them I mean, into doing yeah, this thing. Yeah, that's usually what works. Let's so, call people names and to make them murder for you. Yes. Um, and and um, Matt Meltzer, writing for Thrillist, states that Oliveros used, basically she used them being gay against them as her defense, claiming that they had it out for her because there was already this anti-gay discrimination lawsuit pending. Oh. So they had already filed like this discrimination suit saying, you know, the way that she talks to us is discriminatory and she's like, that's why they're saying I did this murder for hire plot. They're just trying to get back at me. But oh, it doesn't make sense. No. You know, you they already have a lawsuit against you. Like, why throw this other thing? It doesn't mm. make sense at all. Meltzer also offered another motive, which was a $45,000 life insurance policy that she'd just taken out on her husband, Jesus. Angel Ramos. 45? I know. And that's her second husband. Okay. So here are some details of the murder plot. According to Oliveros versus State, the first plan was to have Ramos murdered while he worked at the flea market. He was a security guard there. Or to have a fake home invasion. Mm. And then another plan was to kidnap him, take him to a remote location, kill him, and then set the car on fire. And the Tampa Bay Times noted that the prosecution played videotape of Oliveros plotting the murder for hire. So they had this evidence of her 
talking about these plans. So the charges were solicitation to commit murder, voter fraud, false swearing to an oath, and insurance fraud. And during her defense, Oliveros, according to Meltzer, claimed that she wasn't anti-gay because her daughter was a lesbian. Oh, P.S. She outed her daughter in public court. So oh. her daughter wasn't out as a lesbian, and she just says this in court. Wow, what a cunt. I mean, can you imagine? use, like, your daughter as a reason, like, that's right. a reason why. And that, was she gay or not? Or is she just saying this to go, oh, my daughter's gay, you know? It, it's ridiculous. you imagine? It's, it's ridiculous. Another courtroom shocker, her ex-husband Ramos testified in her favor. Wow. Which was huge. And according to Jose Herrera reporting for the Sun Sentinel, Oliveros' defense attorney, Ed Shohat, told the jury, just the very thought of the intended murder victim siding with the defense, where have you seen such a thing? So in, you know, uh, he said, like, basically, like, why would the person that you're trying to kill um, yeah, testify testify in your favor and, right. and say want to say, like, no, I don't believe that she did this. But still, in July 2000, I mean, she was found guilty on all the charges uh, I listed, the defense attorney Shohat said, quote, the verdicts were outrageous, were shocked and surprised. And Joe Centurino, the lead prosecutor in the case, said, quote, it was a hard case to try. This jury took their time and they arrived at the correct verdict. And Kathy Fernandez Rundle, then Miami-Dade State oh. Attorney, said. <laughs> oh, hold on, pause. I mean, she's horrendous. Just, oh. Like, go look up her record. Yes. Sorry. So she said. We did not pick our witnesses. This started out as a voter fraud case, and we followed the witnesses, and we followed the evidence. From our perspective, justice was served. So that's what I she mean, said I mean, I think the, the husband probably testified in her favor because she's a fucking ball buster. You know, behind closed doors, she's like, oh, honey, uh, or she's threatening right. him, or God or who knows, knows what. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe she just he just didn't want to believe it. I mean, would you? Okay. But what's that relationship, right? Yes. Like, if the police came to you and was like, your husband right now, you're, you know, yes. your husband. He's taken, he's hired somebody to kill you. What would you be like? What the fuck? Right. Wouldn't you? I mean, you guys are in oh, love. Yeah. No, no. I would you, be, shocked. be shocked. I would be shocked. Now, but other, if there was evidence, goodbye. I, right. So like, but, yeah. but that's what I mean. That's what happened. Yeah. And the, I guess he doesn't believe that. Doesn't, doesn't believe, believe the evidence. I, don't, I, I guess not. So according to Margarita Hidalgo of the Sun Sentinel, the judge sentenced Oliveros to only the minimum time for solicitation of murder. Um, and the you know voter fraud, which ended up only being 4.8 years in jail, is what she was sentenced to. Wow. Which is, like, not a lot, like, to plan to kill someone. No, it's not. But I guess because you didn't kill them. But right. Four, I mean, right. I don't know. I feel like. Yeah. Like, why was it the minimum? I, who knows? So, the aftermath. Hidalgo notes that she's also released on a $100,000 bond pending her appeal. Mm-hmm. And Jeb Bush, then Florida governor, expelled her from office in July 2000. So when she gets sentenced, he immediately expels her from that seat. And then um, she's out on bond. So even though she's supposed to serve those years, she still gets to appeal. So mm -hmm. she's out on appeal, doesn't have to serve jail time wow. until the appeal goes through. So the appeal. In January 2003, a judge overturned the murder for higher plot charges. No! So this comes down to... What I think is just like a technicality, Ugh. sort of like it was just a mistake that the um, prosecution did. And according to Diane Marrero of the Sun Sentinel, the judge ruled that the life insurance policy from her ex-husband's employer shouldn't have been used as evidence. So there were two life insurance policies. There's the life insurance policy that she took out for 45000 Yeah. But there was also a million-dollar policy oh, okay. that the employer Employee. took out on okay. him. I was going to say because... Why would you just $45,000 really? Right. For what? No. But she further explains where the defense went wrong. Oliveros, because she took out that policy, but because the employer took out the policy, she would have to sue the employer to get that million dollars. Mm. So they were like, why would she do that? And the judge believed that the work policy was irrelevant. So they kept oh. talking about the million dollar policy. And as a part of their evidence. Right. And, have been and they were like, you can't do that. And what, so they. Employers take life insurance policy. I've out? never heard of that. What Did you say he was a. He was a security a guard at, what, a, what? at a flea market. Why would they take it a life insurance policy? I don't know. Him? That I thought was weird. And yeah. does it go to his family? Yes. Like does where does go? that money. It's very heck? weird. Yeah. So up to this point, uh, 
Oliveras only spent 28 days in jail back when she was awaiting the sentencing and the and waiting to get that bond. Mm-hmm. And so that was pretty much it. Like they, uh, according to Marrera's article, she probably only got probation for the voter fraud or a light sentence. I couldn't find anything to confirm like what the final thing was, but either way. Yeah, that's incredible. Not, like nothing. Yeah. So some points of interest, uh, one New Times article noted that there was allegedly uh, Santeria rituals forced upon the staff by uh, <laughs> this mayor. Yeah. Her nickname was the miniskirt mayor because she Ooh, was honey. always in these like short, short skirts and like blazers. <laughs> like that was her outfit. Yeah. And the heels. Um, other things that came out in trials, she allegedly was getting down with a neighboring mayor while both of them were still married. And according... Uh, according to uh, Hidalgo of the Sun Sentinel, she asked a city employee to distract her husband so <gasps> she could hook up with the other mayor. And apparently the other mayor, uh, his name was Martinez, would visit her office a few times a week. And the secretary was told not to interrupt, quote, no matter what, Ooh. Uh, according to William Lave's Times article. And that article was like back in 1992 before the fraud yeah, and these is, other yeah, charges yeah. came out. So she was, you know... Kind of doing Honey, things like that. Get it. According to a New Times article, she divorced Ramos around maybe 1989 after an election. She loses her seat in 1993, marries Ramos again, then wins the mayoral seat in 95. So she mm. is back and forth with Ramos. And uh, another New Times article, I thought this was a little wackadoo. So this article by Ted Kissel says that after being outed in a letter about corruption, so someone had written a letter to the news about Mm. all of this corruption happening, right? And she's named and other people are named, right? She allegedly wrote, quote, corruption too, which was another letter that she herself allegedly wrote where she accused a ton of employees, including her secretary (gasps) and the guy who she allegedly ordered to make copies of that document and mail out. She told him put gloves on to avoid fingerprints and detection. Make copies of this letter, and he's named in the letter like for corruption what a himself. Asshole. And to send this letter out, but she denied being involved. And she even put like a little thing about herself to like throw people off the trail that she may have been the one to write it. But she calls all these other people out, and she sends this other She's letter. So, a little weird. This lady is so interesting to me. Very, very strange. Like, she can't let just something sit. No. And P.S., this secretary knows you're fucking in your office. Yes. Like, maybe not talk shit about yes. her. Yes. Maybe that's not a well, good idea. she did. So I wanted to be insured. This is the thing that I thought was most disgusting about. I mean, yes, it was horrible that she tried to kill her husband. Mm. But she was, like, her attitude towards uh, uh, blacks was so disgusting so i wanted to be sure to include it (sighs) so not only was she involved in that like i said uh you know the voter frog the outing her daughter but she displayed some pretty terribly racist behavior while in office according to tristam corton's new times article she had a roller rink closed down um excuse me i know i was like "Uh excuse me Uh oh hillary's gonna flip out why the owner of the rink felt that it was because of the soul night that he held each week and some of the evidence um, because the owner took the city to court because he's like you closed down my business and it's because you guys are a bunch of racists dang and um the police chief actually had a tape of racist songs that he'd keep in his car and he'd play for people for fun but oliveros the mayor played a role um a former aide to the mayor noted that she used to call her darky and lesbian (gasps) oh Witnesses like in the in the nineties and two thousand. Can you imagine? Oh, Witnesses God. saw Oliveras order the police chief to close the rink so blacks would not quote darken her town. Oh, oh! Another former assistant to the mayor, Rosa Levy, claimed that Oliveras didn't want black businesses because it would quote darken her city. A Holy black employee shit. testified that she said that she and other black employees were quote her darkies. Oh in my the end, God. Martin, the owner of the rink, won. The court acknowledged that his civil rights were violated and that he should be paid $600,000 for um, business losses. Wow. I mean, so she was just, to me, like, disgusting. Like, this person that, because she's calling the other men gay slurs. Wow. So she's just throwing around 
disgusting language and behavior, Ugh. thinking she's better than everyone Ugh. involved in all of this. She, now she's the head of women for Trump. And, well, <laughs> no, I read an article. I believe now she's like driving a tow truck for a city or something. Oh my God. So that's the, that's, <laughs> what? I think so. Oh my God. I, I, I I'm pretty sure. Ugh. But the other thing is I cannot find, because she's like touted as the miniskirt mayor. No pictures of her in miniskirt. I cannot, no, I can't find one picture of her at all. Really? Not one photo. I think I, I'm telling you, cause you know how you can like pay to have every bit of you like, mm. so like nothing comes up in the top yeah. searches. I cannot, I mean, in all the articles, there's no pictures in the articles. Wow. I can't, I can't find one thing. Cause I'm like, I'd love, I, I would love, there has to be something out there. And I mean, I searched and searched and searched. Yeah. So I'm like, she had to have it scrubbed out. Oh, probably. You know, but who knows if anyone finds it, please email oh, it to see us. This. I'm sorry. That's the story of the miniskirt mayor of Hialeah Gardens. Yes. The the attempted murderous miniskirt mayor. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. that's Well, it is so funny how similar our stories are. Are you serious? Besides even just Florida. It's very, very similar. (gasps) Oh, let me settle in. Let me settle in. Settle in, honey. Let's go. Okay. So I want to start. I'm going to tell you about, I don't even know what to title this, okay? I saw this uh, tweet, and it was from the Tampa Bay Times. I went and read this article. It was incredible. Um, But I do want to, it was an AP uh, uh, journalist who wrote it. His name is Jason Doreen. And, uh, of course, then other papers pick it up. And so I saw it in the Tampa Bay Times, but Jason Doreen for the AP wrote this story where I got a lot of the information because it's all <laughs> one story. Wow. But I wanted to preface it by giving you a little bit of history about white supremacy in oh, police God. and and infiltrating and all that. So this story takes place in um in the Tampa area not that long ago. It's basically I have it titled as KKK Correctional Officers <gasps> Murder pl- Murder Plot because I don't know what? what else to call it. I don't know what else to call it. Um because it's not really, wow. it's not really like a elected official. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah so we'll yeah, figure yeah. we'll figure that out in post, as they yes. say. In no, the, in I the like biz. that title. All I right, like cool. that title. So a little bit of history before we get into what actually happened. Um, so we both covered some racist ass sheriffs yes. in Florida uh, uh, in the fifties and sixties who were responsible for murders, yes. right? For stringing I mean, up, oh my god, uh, black people. Oh my god, it was fucking. It's un- unbelievable. So I, we should maybe list some of those episodes uh when we talk about this but um those were cases in the 50s and the 60s and it just never really goes away right Right. it's always been there um and this doesn't mean all police i don't want to hear bullshit it's just there are cases where this is now a thing that's happening and it's it's purposely happening right and it's in its certain departments sometimes like it's sort of just part of the culture yeah you know, and there's also there's always an inherent like bias that we have as white people, yeah. right? We always have these things that whether you, I'm not racist, okay, but there's this thing, and you have to acknowledge it right. and, and think about it and talk about it and untangle all of those those biases. But I'm talking about legitimate white supremacists who are infiltrating um, law enforcement offices oh my God. on purpose. Oh my, on God. purpose, right? So researchers believe that tens of thousands of Americans belong to groups identified with white supremacist extremism, the Klan, like being just one of them, right? My these, God, these groups. It ab- says it's wild to me that the, it's that these groups exist, like mm. that their whole function is just to to hate people. It, I know. It, like, why are why is this what you're expending your energy on? Mm. These groups' efforts to infiltrate law enforcement have been documented repeatedly in recent years and called an epidemic by legal scholars. Mm. FBI Director Christopher Wray said at a March 2021 um, Senate hearing that, quote, racially motivated violent extremism, end quote, mostly by white supremacists, accounts for the most rapidly rising share of domestic terrorism cases. During the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, thin blue blue line flags, which were, you know, represent police, uh, flew alongside white supremacist signs and banners and more than 30 current and former police officers from a number of departments around the nation were identified as attendees. I right? mean, come on. It's, come that's, on. And that's very scary. That's uh, incredibly scary. Yeah. Uh, quote, white supremacist groups have historically engaged in strategic efforts to infiltrate and recruit from law enforcement, said an FBI document released oh by a congressional God. committee in September, about four months before the Capitol riots. 
In the intelligence assessment written in 2006, the FBI said some in law enforcement were volunteering, quote, professional resources to white supremacist causes with which they sympathize, end quote. Mm. In November, a Georgia deputy was caught on an FBI wiretap boasting about targeting black people for felony arrests so they couldn't vote. My God. In 2017, an interim police chief in Oklahoma was found to have ties to an international neo-Nazi group. In 2014, two officers in Fruitland Park, Florida, were outed as Klansmen and forced to quit. Despite repeated examples, white supremacists who are fired from law enforcement jobs after being discovered can often find jobs with other agencies. There is no database officials can check to see if someone's been identified as an extremist. So make one. Yeah. Domestic I feel like today, it's like making a database is probably really fucking easy. So, so some states are doing it. Like, despite uh, domestic terrorism experts have been calling for better screening to help identify extremists before they're hired, some states, such as California and Minnesota, which just have so many problems in St. Louis, right, have tried to pass new screening laws only to be prevented by police unions, whose legal challenges argued successfully that such queries violate free speech rights. Not if you're part of a hate terror to a. Uh, uh, a domestic terrorist cell. Mm-hmm. But that's their freedom of speech. Yeah. White, uh, without screening, white supremacists who get inside it can operate with impunity, targeting black and other people of color and recruiting others who share their views. Oh my gosh. Okay, so. Oh my gosh. It's a problem. Let's get into this story because this is incredible oh to me. Oh God. So the story starts in 2013. Not that long ago, eight years ago, yeah? No, not long at all. No, at Florida's Reception and Medical Center, which is a state's prison hospital. Um, An inmate by the name of Warren Williams was was at the hospital being seen. Now, he had been arrested a year earlier for striking a police officer. And Warren Williams was described as a quiet man. He's 6'1", 210 pounds. He suffered from anxiety and depression and was known for some, like, Uh, He would have outbursts, okay? Okay. Like, he couldn't control some of his anger sometimes. But, like, overall was a quiet guy, lived at his mom's house, loved to go fishing, like, was not a guy who, you know. So he pled no contest to striking the police officer to receive a lighter sentence in order to Uh. receive mental health evaluation and treatment while he was in prison, right? So he's at this hospital um, while he's in prison getting this treatment. So in August of 2013, he approached a guard, in the, at the hospital to tell him he had lost his badge, which was a prison infraction, right? And the, the guard, whose name is Thomas Driver, was smoking a cigarette. And he kept blowing the smoke in William's face. Come on. And William asked him to stop, and he didn't. And then he asked him to stop again, and he didn't. So then Williams jumped the dri- jumped Driver, the guard. Well, I mean, and come on. Like, why fell. is he... Why is he- Girl. You know, one, one, they're in a, a, a facility where he's getting treated for mental health. Like, why would you provoke? Why is he provoking him? Well, it's that, it's that, oh, power. that power, like that Stanford so prison dis- experiment, so right? disgusting. Where you get that little bit of power yeah. and people who have it either like hurt you, they'll hurt stay you. the same who they are and are empathetic, whatever. And there's other people who like, you give them a little bit of power and it's like, now I'm going to be as evil as fucking Ugh. possible. Right. So he jumps the, the, the guard and they fall to the floor and then Williams bites driver. So um, a group of guards responded and they beat Williams so badly that he required hospitalization. The guard driver then needed tests done out of precaution, like an HIV test and all the tests came back negative, but it angered him. Like he was out of control, angry about this, this, this prisoner attacking him. Yeah. So don't smoke, don't, don't blow smoke in people's faces. (laughs) So you should also know like some accountability. Warren Williams is black and driver is white, right? Right. Okay. So about a year later in December, 2014, a dozen, dozens of hooded Klansmen gathered for what's called a clan, a clanclave, which is KK, right? A meeting of the what? Florida trin, trindi- traditionalist American Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh my God! How disgusting! <laughs> how disgusting! I'm gonna say something really quick. This whole story scares the fuck out of me. So like, um, I'm yeah. worried. <laughs> I'm just telling you, like you're saying, how disgusting, and I'm like, I don't want to get fucking targeted here. Yeah, no. I, oh my god. I'm a little, I'm a little afraid. Oh god, now, now I'm afraid. Yeah, please be careful. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just saying. So members of a biker club were being naturalized as citizens into this invisible empire of the clan, which, which, which is oh what they god, were called. This is so scary. Yeah. So driver, known by his fellow clansmen as Brother Thomas. This guard, right, who was oh, bit, gosh. he was there with Sarge Moran, who was also a prison guard. 
So both of these guys are work at this fucking prison, right. and they're both Klansmen. Oh, um, goodness gracious. Moran had started working for the Florida Department of Corrections for decades, and he'd also been a Klansman for years. And according to department's records, he had been disciplined more than once by the Corrections Department for violent incidents against prisoners. And despite this, he kept his power and his, his, his position and his power over these inmates, right? So this guy's volatile. Drivers being, and then his buddy drivers being jumped, right, by this by this prisoner bit and getting bit by him, right? So uh, Moran and Driver wanted to discuss an urgent matter with Joseph Moore, um, the group's Grand Night Hawk in charge of security. I love all these names. I don't oh. know why, but I think it's incredible that they all have like these code like these names of like what their position is so more so more was a u.s army veteran and when not in the clan a helmet right like the hats they wore he wore a baseball hat pinned with military medals including a purple heart he commanded respect and fear from his clan brothers and often told him stories of his work killing targets overseas as part of the elite u.s military squad the three men then moved away for a private talk and so no one could overhear what they're going to talk about and the guards showed more a picture, a paper with a picture of Williams, oh his no. name, and other information. So driver oh described no. the fight to to Moore and said this is what happened. And his fa- he said he and his family had quote were worried for weeks about a false positive test for hepatitis C end quote. Um, and then he Moore said to him quote Do you want him six feet under? And driver Moran looked at each other and then both said yes. Right, so they want this guy to kill Warren Williams, who is now, by the way, out of prison. He's released. He's living with his mother. Right. Oh no. So a month later, in January 2015, I mean, let it go. Let it go. Oh no, 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 no. Take some accountability. No, no, no. You know, you, you know, there was some provocation. This thing happened. Now move on. No. Why would they do that? So a month later, in January 2015. Moore goes to the home of Charles Newcomb, who was the former, also a former prison guard, but also the Klan's exalted Cyclops, which is a local chief. <laughs> exalted Cyclops. That's what a local chief is called. Oh, so okay. he also had worked at the prison. What, what, where are they getting these names from? They're, they're from fantastic. like mythology. Yeah, it's like so they're great. part of the Odyssey. It's so good. So this hitman, right, goes and talks to this guy Charles Newcomb, and he wanted to discuss. Newcomb wanted to discuss Brother Thomas's issue, right, which is. Um, killing Warren Williams. So Newcomb said, quote, I look at this, I look at it this way, brother. This was a direct attempted murder on him, referring to Williams biting driver. He said, quote, I don't care how you look at it. We just need to do our deed. And where it falls, it falls because he's a piece of trash anyway, end quote. God. And because of Moore's background as a professional elite government assassin, Newcomb trusted him to do it. And so then Moore said, quote, I like to see things done in a professional manner. There are skills and techniques and things that survive the test of time. If you bury somebody in, say, an open field or whatever, it's going to be dug up. But if you bury somebody in a graveyard over top of somebody else that's <gasps> already been buried, it's never going to be uncovered <gasps> or for, a, for a septic tank, end quote. Like if they move, you know, this like a cemetery. But like he's saying, you know, this is what they're talking oh about. Oh, my God. So one night they drove to William's neighborhood to scope it out and saw William sitting on, a, on his porch outside his house right and Newcomb mentioned that they could just walk up and put him out of his misery then but then said they would need to wait until driver the guard that had been attacked is at work so he has an alibi right like so they're already thinking about like when would be the best time to do this and what they're just going to shoot him on the porch and then drag his body and try to go bury it in a graveyard somewhere without being seen right he lives with his mom right right but like here's the thing that they didn't know is that Joseph Moore, that elite assassin, was an undercover... (laughs) Undercover, confidential. Yes! FBI informant, bitch! Oh my god, so he's like, oh my god, so he's like, oh, I did this, I did that, and he knows all the lingo. Yeah. (gasps) Wow. So guess what? Thank god, thank god. He's being paid to provide information to the FBI on the Klan. Right? Wow. So, so, oh, he's just an informant. So he's not well, an agent. He's not an agent. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. But so he's, he's an informant. So he he's was like a clan dude. And then what? He had a change of All right, heart. So let's talk about this. Okay. Oh, thank God for, so, for this. Yeah. 
So a little history on him. So Moore had suffered a mental breakdown in 2002 when he was honorably discharged from the U.S. Army where he was being trained as a sniper, okay? So he spent four months under observation in a New Jersey hospital when he walked in drunk one day wearing a tactical vest and carrying, like, a plane ticket to Jordan. Like, he had already been out, but he had, you know, he was fucked up from from being, from serving. Um, It's so sad. It's really sad. In 2008, he appeared in a FBI office in Gainesville because he wanted them to investigate a local sheriff. So he just walks into this FBI agent, right? And he's like, listen, my brother-in-law has been arrested on a drug-related charge, and he thinks that the deputy had planted these drugs on him. He's like, something's not right. So he met with an FBI agent, and eventually they recruited him to join an an investigation into a member of a different Florida clan, a group that was suspected of planning a murder. So... They recognize in this guy that he has this, you know, government, like the army background that he could talk shit and they, he's got the look. They, they think they can get him to infiltrate the clan. Wow. Right. So, um, he does it and they, he joins this, you know, he's and giving they pay them information him to do this and they're paying him. Good. But hey. eventually he gets fired because he told his wife and her family about what he was doing. And oh, obviously <laughs> that's confidential. Yes. Like you can't, so they had to fucking let him go. So, <laughs> because I think she got suspicious and she's she like, was where like, where are you going? What, the, what are you yes. doing? And like, who are like, these people you're hanging out with? Yes. And he was like, well, here's what I'm doing. And they're like, now the FBI's like, you fucking blown it. You're out. Yeah. So, um, a few, but a few years later, he gets a call from one of these FBI agents that he had worked with. And they say, listen, there's another cell over here in like t- the Tampa area. And, something's up we need you to get in there right we need you to yes and so he does so they recruit him and um he makes contact with this new clan group they and the clan group did this background checks on him and asked him some like clan jargon which he knew and they were impressed with all his like fake medals and like these lies like all this shit was fake and um they said you know and, and he talked about lying he lied about killing people in china like all this stuff and so he was in that was it so he filled out an application he paid twenty dollars a twenty dollar fee and he paid thirty five dollars in the annual dues the Wait clan has they dues, dues. They, can you so believe you gotta this fill out an application yeah this and is, he had wait. to sign a blood oath saying that if you ever went against them that he, they that you would be killed if you ever went against wow. the clan can, and there's a copy of that like wait. in this article so this is great. Okay, so the people that are like, we want to protect um, your First Amendment rights to say what you want. <laughs> but when you're in an organization that says, if you go against us, we're killing you. Like, yeah. that's against the law. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Yeah. Like, you can't be like, well, God, I'm a little overwhelmed. I got a lot yeah. going on. I, I'll see you guys. And it's like, no. Like, when you're in it, you're in it. It's like ma- the mafia. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, so here we are. January 2015, and this murder plot is now in motion, right? So they've, so here's the thing that they also didn't know. Like, yes, he's an FBI informant, but he's wired, motherfucker. And so all of this <gasps> is being recorded. Oh, this is even better. It's so good. Yes. And there's, it's probably one of those little medals on his hat is like a camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they had his car all fucking wired up. Like everything wow. was wired, right? And so all wow. of these things are being recorded. Good. Yeah. So Moore goes over to Newcomb's house and Newcomb has this idea to kidnap Williams and pump him full of insulin. So his wife had like a prescription and so she had all this extra insulin. And on the recordings, you can hear Newcomb say, quote, it'd be quieter if we grab him up, throw his ass in the car, take him off, take off with him somewhere and we'll just inject his happy ass with a bunch of insulin and let him start doing his flopping, end quote. So they also suggested, um, he, Newcomb also suggested shooting him full of insulin and then bringing him to this river and like pop putting, like, like, uh, putting him face down next to the river after he's oh, died no. with like a fishing pole. Cause it'll look like he died of natural causes. Like an insulin overdose is like really painful. It's a painful death, but it's also difficult for a medical examiner to detect. Wow. Yeah. So other, the other correction officers, officer Moran shows up that Sarge Moran and um, Newcomb tells him the plan. And Moran says, quote, I'm following y'all's orders. Whatever orders are, I'm given, I'm here to serve. I'm at the will and pl- I'm, I'm at the will and pleasure of, end quote. They all get into Moore's SUV. So the informant's SUV oh, and they start wow. driving toward Williams neighborhood. <gasps> And then the whoop, whoop. Yeah, they've got, oh. <laughs> they've got the insulin. They've got this uh, Dora the Explorer fishing pole out of Newcomb's um, garage because he's got kids. Dora the Explorer. Uh, who like, the fuck who, knows? This it's guy's so going to be there with a door. This, I mean, this so grown man. St- Police. Well, he's not going to give him one of his fishing poles, right? So 
Meanwhile, like again, this whole car is wired. FBI is yes. listening to these live, love this it. live thing that's going out. So, um, meanwhile, the FBI have taken precautions with Williams. They have moved him to a safe house. He's oh. no longer in the house. Um, Poor Williams. I know. Can you imagine? He's already He's anxiety so riddled. Yeah. yeah. So they moved him to a safe house, but they also placed police vehicles around his neighborhood. So when the Klan arrives, the FBI agents, Florida Highway Patrol, and Palatka police were all visible in the neighborhood. Okay. So of course the three of these, these three knuckleheads pull up and they're freaked out. They're like, why the fuck are there so many police here? They knew they couldn't make any moves. And so with all the cops around, so they turned around and they leave. Okay. Okay. So this is wild. This next part is so fucking wild. That that would have been the time to get them though. Like don't be so visible. And then they pull up and then you, yeah, well, hold We're going to get them, but let's see this part. I really loved. And I thought that you would like it too, (gasps) since we're murderinos. Okay, so so prior to this, before they moved him to a safe house, Williams gets a call from his probation officer. Okay. And he's like, I need you to come down to the office. And Williams is like, yo, I was just there this morning. I peed in the cup. Like, we're cool. And he's like, no, no, you're fine. I just need you to come back down here. So Williams calls his mother and he's like, I don't know why this probation officer's calling me. I was just there. I haven't done anything. His mom's like, if you haven't done anything, you're fine. Go yeah, see what he wants. Go. It's not a big deal. So, um, which is such a mom, like I heard that, I mean, I read it and I was just like, you know, can you imagine? Yeah. Like you're, you know, your son has anxieties and he's like, thank God he went. And she was just like, don't worry, honey. Like, oh my God. Okay. So he goes back to the office and he walks in, it's probation officer and there's other men there. And And he's he's like, like, who the fuck is this? So they identify themselves as FBI agents and they say, listen, your life is in (gasps) danger, bro. Like we got, Oh, a it's like a, oh, what was it from ghost? You in danger, girl. Yeah, you're in danger, girl. <laughs> so, um, they tell him we need to take you into protect, protective custody, oh. um, until these guys are arrested. And he's like, okay. He's like, but first my mom, we need to do something. Oh, we need you to do something for us. And he's oh. like, what? So they're like, we need to go back to your house. So they take him back to his house and on their way there, they see his mother who was driving out of town for the weekend and they're flagging her down and they're like, oh, Hey, no, no, no. come back to the house. We need to tell you what's going on. So she comes back to the house and, they, and then he goes back to that, right? They get back to the house and they're like, here's what we need you to do. We need you to look like you've been murdered. <gasps> so they lay him on the floor. They rip his shirt to where it looks like he's got a gunshot. No. They pour water like where his crotch is. So it looks <gasps> like he's peed his pants No, and they take a picture. Right. So it looks like he's been murdered. Right. And they give that picture to more, uh, you know, yes. the assassin. And he, then they take him to the safe house, right? They take Williams to the safe house and he was there for weeks and he couldn't, he could talk to his mom on the phone, but she couldn't know his whereabouts. Right. Like, oh my God. Okay. She must've been freaked out. I would be yeah. freaked out to be in the house. Like what if they come to the house and they yeah. kill me because they're, I'm sure she left. And- There's no way she stayed there. Right. Yeah. So more than takes this picture and brings it to the all of the, <gasps> to these three guys, Moran, Newcomb, and Driver, and is on recording all of their reactions of like glee, <gasps> happiness. Yes, oh, this is what we no. wanted. This is perfect. No, so he's like, oh hey, P.S. I went on my own. Yeah, here's what. Here's what. Yeah. So um, are they like, where is he? Where'd you bury him? Like, did he give like? I don't think so. They just wow, loved they just that. Loved they, the yeah. Picture. So when he showed the picture to Driver, which is the original guard who got jumped. Um, he said, you know, what do you, you know, quote, let us know what you think. And driver said that works end quote. And then more so said, quote, that's what you wanted end quote. And driver said, quote, Oh yes. And then laughed. Oh my God. Yeah. So who, 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 can you, can you believe like someone this potentially dead and you're like, yeah, gleeful. Yeah. Oh, so uh, all three men were arrested shortly afterwards. In August 2017, Newcomb and Moran stood trial in Lake City. Moore was was the star witness, testifying against the men he had spent years wow. befriending. Yeah. For a short time afterward, the government protected Moore's family, and his current whereabouts are unknown. So they Good. have him in yes. protected custody Thank somewhere. God. In the end, a jury convicted Moran and Newcomb of conspiracy to commit murder. They were each sentenced to 12 years in prison. <gasps> A driver received four years after pleading guilty and was is due out this year, 2021, because he pled guilty. He didn't go to trial. So he rolled the dice and was like, you know, four the other two, years. the other so two rolled yeah, the dice so and got it's 12. Like this other story. Like yes. Four years. When you said that she got 4.8 years, I'm like, that sounds familiar. Yeah. But he pled guilty and got that. 
Wow. Yeah. And because of the threats in Florida prisons, Driver was moved secretly to another state to serve his time because the prisoners there are like, right. Hi. Oh, they know who you are. Yeah. yeah. So um, even oh, and though... he was a correctional's officer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So even though they are in prison, neither Nukem nor Moran were in Florida's inmate locator system. So you can't even find out yeah. like where they are. So the aftermath. Even though... Three current and former P- Florida prison guards were exposed as Klansmen. The state's Department of Correction says it's found no reason to investigate whether other white supremacists were employed in prisons since wow. the story has come out. There were no other, quote, investigative leads. Michelle Glady, uh, the department's director of public relations, said in a statement to the AP, quote, however, any allegations of a staff member belonging to a group such as those mentioned would be investigated on an individual basis, end quote. Wow. According to this AP article, on a recent visit to the prison where the three Klansmen worked, numerous cars and trucks in the employee and volunteer parking lots were decorated with associated with symbols associated with white supremacy, <gasps> including Confederate flags, QAnon symbols, and oh, the three no. and the thin blue line flag decals. Oh no. Williams has filed a lawsuit against the Klansmen and the Florida Department of Corrections, and his attorney said that they are frustrated that Florida hasn't investigated more thoroughly to see if there are more white supremacists working for the state prisons and wants them to take responsibility. Florida Come on, Florida. Yeah. Come on, Florida, please. Florida please. Florida, for its part, has sought to have the case dismissed and declined further to comment on it. Williams is haunted by driver's imminent release and the specter of other Klansmen have made it impossible for him to move on, end quote. Oh, this poor man. Yeah. This poor, poor man. Tina. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared too. But I, come No, on. but, but I mean, it's another story that I feel like I haven't heard. And, and maybe it needs to be that more, we need to hear more of these stories so that people can say, we demand yeah. that this isn't happening in our prison system. Yeah. And people who are in prison are serving their time. Yes. They There's do not no deserve, reason to further, no. ma- you know, humiliate them. They're human beings. Yes. They're, 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 human they're beings. serving their time. Yes. So, like, they have been caught. They're in prison. Okay. Now you think they should be further humiliated? No. I mean, stop. And you're not the law. For all the people yeah. who love law and order, you're yeah. not the law. Right. Do your do your job and go home. But what does that have to do? Why is that part of your job to further oh humiliate God. people? What a story, <sighs> girl! Wow, I know what a story. I know. Never heard of that, and that's like a couple years ago. I know it's not that long. I mean, this no. has been going on forever, just like all the rest of these stories that we do. Oh, we have to end on a happy. Oh God, Sweet Tooth. <laughs> oh, Sweet Tooth. So yes, you've been watching Sweet Tooth, which is so amazing, isn't it? Oh my goodness, my children love it. Yes, yes. My youngest was very upset with the first episode, and he was like, "I don't want to watch anymore." Yeah. Well, it's and, kind of and terrifying I, in the middle of a pandemic. Yes, to and be I honest. Yes, and I said it's going to be okay. Just you got to give the second episode a chance. And now he he loves it so much. Yeah. He loves Big Man. Yes, me too. I love Big Man so me too. much. So, um. And they're, you know, both of them, uh, you know, and after the first episode, my youngest was like, if the hybrids don't get sick, why don't they just use their blood? And I was mm. like, oh, let's wait and see what happens. Yes. And then yes. my oldest was like, okay, they're going to be killing that. Like, you know, they kind of yeah, were scary. trying to figure it out. And so I'm anxious to see how the last two episodes go. And of course, there is someone from The Sopranos on there. So. Oh. Um, AJ Soprano's girlfriend. Oh, um, from the very last season. Remember, he fell in love with her. She had the kid. Oh yeah, yeah. And she yeah. worked at the. Uh, she is the one who runs the zoo. Oh my god! Yes. I cannot believe yes. that. So I saw her and I was like, "Oh, look at her! Those big, oh, beautiful brown yes. eyes." Now yes. I recognize her. Yeah, I love the zoo part. I love oh that. my god! I know, I know. With the little girl with the pig nose. Oh, so cute! So fucking cute! So cute! And like that, she has this place. And then when they were marked, that's where we are. Oh, where they just got marked, yes, and I'm like, yes, oh yes, no! Yes. And then and they escaped. Uh, sorry, spoilers. Mm-hmm. And she, now she's like, like it ended with her sitting in the chair with a gun, and I'm like, oh, okay, please. that's where we're at too. Oh, so you have two left? Yes. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god, it's so good, so good. Yeah, so we, I think, um, they want to like binge both of them tonight. And Love finish, it. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, Tina, <gasps> I know. And that's it. Well, listen, this has been fun. Yes. Um, I know we haven't mentioned COVID on this episode because we were screaming about it on the last yes. episode, but 
I don't, and this is also, we're recording this two weeks early, so I don't know what, where Florida is going to be in two weeks, but for our friends in Florida or anybody coming here to visit, please uh, take this seriously for our children's sake who want to go back to school and for their health yes. and their mental health and their well-being, please uh, get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. If you're able get to, if you're age appropriate and your body can handle it. I know there's some people that I know that have certain illnesses and they can't get the vaccine. And so I, I ask you to double and mask. Well, and that's why then we need to be vaccinated to protect yes, those that's right. vulnerable the people, people who can. Yeah. So please, please, please. I love my parents and I don't want them. They've been vaccinated, but God forbid. I just, I just... Let's be responsible and for once in this fucking country's history, care Just about our neighbor. Right Let's, Let's care about right our neighbor thing. and care about our people, the people that we love. And yes. stop. We should be leading to conspiracies. We should be leading the world in, in vaccines. You yeah. know, like we should be a role model. I mean, it's this arrogance of like thinking that you know better. There's a great New Yorker that cartoon. individualism of, yeah, of like, America. Hey, I found this guy's mindset. telling his wife, I found information that top world scientists and doctors haven't haven't discovered. Yeah. And the wife's like walking <laughs> out of the room. That's my life. But like like that's what we should be doing yeah. is if if uh, I, if my plumbing goes, I don't call a doctor to come fix yes. it here. If I have to go to the doctor, I don't call a plumber to find out yes. his his advice. Yes. You know, we got to trust go, the experts. Listen, if you didn't go to school yeah. for that particular thing, yeah. then, then you don't know. Right. Like reading a Facebook right. post isn't teaching you anything. No. There's a reason why we, we hire honestly, lawyers for their legal uh, yes. expertise. Give There's a reason a we go to doctors if we have cancer or we're yes. sick. There's a reason these things happen. Yes. And these are these people, these fields exist. And so why are we pretending that we know more than the leading experts in the world? In the world. It's, Stop. It's, I know. It's, and you don't think you're not vulnerable. We're all vulnerable yes. to this. Stop it. We're not Superman yes. as much as I think I am. I'm not. Yes. Oh. Although I'm Wonder Woman, maybe. Yes. Better. Oh, my gosh. Hi. 100%. Hi. All, All right. right. Listen. Goodbye. Oh, bye. Oh, that was good. <laughs> if you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.